The Law of Equivalent Exchange. This is Tim in Tokyo reading Formula Alchemist in English from Viz. And this is Patrick in Kumamoto reading Hagane no Renkin Jutsushi, the original uh, Japanese comic from Gangan Comics, volume 13. Hmm, and I'm finally reading single volumes again. I've gotten through those three three in ones that I have. And we're getting real close to the halfway point here. I'm probably going to keep saying that every episode for the next couple months. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to say, we just passed the halfway point. Wasn't yeah. it just a little while we passed the halfway point? Wasn't that long ago? <laughs> <laughs> Seems like not long ago we passed the one quarter point, but. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But it's been, it's been, how long? When did we start this? It's been over a year. Well,. I'm trying to. It's confusing because we recorded like the first three episodes right at the beginning of the pandemic, and then they sat in the can for the better part of a year. But it has been about two years since we started publishing this in earnest. Because you know, if we're at now chapter fifty, um, and this is every two weeks, so that's a hundred weeks, which is about two years. So. Your, your math trumps my memory, because my memory is... Everything trumps my memory, because my memory is bad. Yeah, I think my math trumps my memory, too, because it doesn't really feel like... I don't have a feeling for when we started publishing it. Right. Hmm. So, chapter 50 is called In the Belly of the Beast, which turns out to be a quite literal meaning. But anyway, uh, we pick up where Envy had just appeared in front of Ed, Al, Lean whoever else is there. Uh, and Envy keeps calling Ed little full metal boy. And <laughs> you know, Ed can't handle it. Stop calling me little. He said, don't call me little. And he kicks at him. And it turns out he's been keeping track of all the times that Envy called him little <laughs> dating back to, you know, several uh, three. Uh, he says three times at lab number five, he called him that that's many volumes ago. <laughs> But like in, in in the Japanese, like he just when he says "Don't call me little," he like he adds like three different three different ways to call him little. He puts them all in one word, <laughs> and he and we didn't even say all that. <laughs> like, Who you calling little mitochondria bean baby blah 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 TB small person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured bean was in there. Yeah, as we found in the back matter of the last volume, uh, not using the word bean created a problem with getting some jokes. But <clears throat> yeah, so yeah, and Envy's <laughs> just kind of rolling his eyes. What an amazing memory, he says. The, the splash page, the title page. Hmm. Uh, what's the title in English? In the, in the belly of the beast or something like right, that? right. Yeah, so yeah, Ed is pedaling a bicycle slash rickshaw. I'm not sure what you call these. With Al and Winry and Den, the dog, uh, sitting in the the seat uh, that <laughs> that Ed is pulling along with this. Basically, it's a tricycle. And but it looks like everybody's in formal wear. Yeah, and Mustang is there, and and Havoc, uh, he's like eating a hot dog or something, and yeah, they're in suits and ties. Well, they got their jackets off, and uh, 
Hawkeye is walking by on the other side of the street. We see her from the back and, and with Black Hayate, so another dog. Um, and <laughs> Hawkeye has the uh, trope bag of groceries with the baguette sticking out. You see that all the time in Japan. You'd think the Japanese never buy anything but fresh vegetables and baguettes when they go to the supermarket. And there's no packaging whatsoever. (laughs) Well, like, okay, well, baguettes sometimes have the packaging, but sometimes they don't. It depends on, like, where you, if you go to the the bakery. Hmm. uh, And they have bakeries all over the place. Growing up, I don't remember ever going to a bakery i've been to like cake shops Mm -hmm. donut shops i've never i felt like i've never been to a bakery until i came to japan where they are everywhere Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in fact like the convenience store closest to me is now family mart but used to be a smaller chain called every one and they would have fresh bread made every morning Mm. it was a dream (laughs) you know i did not know how much i loved baked goods until i came (laughs) to this country Uh, all the different kinds of you know sweet like bread uh i guess you'd call them i always like they they just they call them all bread but i mean what would we really call those kind of dessert breads they're more like i don't know that we even have anything quite like that in america you know all these different kinds of like you know one serving bread roll type things but they've got all these new different flavors and shapes and i mean i guess the closest thing is like they're pastries basically i mean without they're not necessarily covered in like uh jam or anything like that but yeah they're they're not necessarily even sweet they might be savory they might have a wiener stuck in them or something (laughs) Which that sounds wrong, but I mean, <laughs> it sounds so wrong. <laughs> you know, curry bread, curry bread. That's like one yeah. of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. So anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, too many what, years what ago, does, um, yes. when I was in Taiwan, I found the same thing there. There were these little bakeries, and you could buy different, you know, what we call kashipan in Japan. So that was many a breakfast for me when I was in Taiwan was from the the bakery across the very 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 busy wide street in front of our our youth center. I'm sorry, what was your question? <laughs> I was just noticing that uh that guy all the way on the left his bread has a wiener stuck in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's havoc, right? Yeah, havoc. Pre-injury havoc. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, haven't you noticed that trope in Japan? Like, it's not even just manga and anime. It's, you know, like advertising and everything. You see somebody carrying groceries in a paper bag and there's a baguette sticking out and some vegetables that they've just like bought off off of a like from a bakery and a vegetable shop. You know, there's nothing, no saran wrap, nothing. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, I guess the idea is uh, to show somebody who is, like, shopping fresh. Mm. And also, like, uh, the baguette is very visual, mm. you know, kind of sticking out. It's, like, really easy to depict, even with a bag yeah. of groceries. And I think what it is is that it just looks like a so much better visual than plastic convenience store bags mm-hmm. with everything. And I think it uh, goes back to just, like, the kind of illustrations that you see in uh, women's magazines, mm. uh, 
Uh, and you know, it's, uh, brown bags have a nice color, plastic bags don't. <laughs> and it looks a little old fashioned. I think it kind of yeah. brings back sort of a nostalgic feeling for some people, you know, like this, this is buying groceries in the year 1920 or something. And it, but I think it's, yeah, it's like a, an icon, you know, it's like an, mm -hmm. it's, it's an image that you immediately process, but it takes somebody like, like you or I to like, Hey, that's not necessarily something that you might actually see every day. No. Uh, because it's just so ubiquitous. I, I was sometimes thinking about things like this, like uh, how things are depicted. And for example, like if you, if you show in Japan, if you show in a movie, like people in the country doing country stuff, Mm -hmm. like farming and uh, et cetera, et cetera. You really can't tell what era it's supposed to be, mm -hmm. you know, because people still farm. Uh, you know, of course, they use modern equipment and everything, but there's also parts of the daily routine that haven't changed that much. Yeah. And so there's, it, depending on, you know, like what scenes they're showing, sometimes it's hard to tell exactly mm. how close to the modern period you are. <laughs> and uh, that's, I find that very curious and interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so Ed wants his revenge on Envy, even though Envy's saying, I don't want to fight you. You know, Ed wants to fight him. Ed wants to, <laughs> to beat him <laughs> to a pulp because he called him little uh, X number of times. And with alchemy, he creates basically like a log on some sw that's swinging from some ropes and like like one of those huge uh, bell ringing things in a yeah. Buddhist temple in Japan, and or he's a Rambo trap, <laughs> and he's just swinging it straight at Envy, but somehow misses him. Yeah, Envy's a quick one. Gluttony, of course, wants to eat everybody, especially Mustang, but Envy says, no, "Don't eat Mustang. Don't eat Ed and Al. I don't know how you could eat Al anyway. <laughs> It'd be crunchy." But uh, Lean is there. So he says, well, you, you could eat Lean. That, that's no problem. Start with the head, he says. <laughs> now that Gluttony's calmed down a bit, Ed attacks with some alchemy, you know, touching the ground and, and uh, how do you explain it? Like these well, little mountains come out makes of the a ground. Wall, he makes a wall between Gluttony and Lust to kind of separate or them. Or Gluttony and Envy. Envy, Envy. Yeah, lust is They're gone. Kind of separate. Yeah. Right, and then Lean comes at Envy with the sword, and manages to cut him in the side. But it turns out that that was Envy leaving himself open, so that once Lean took the bait, then Envy could turn his arms into snakes, or one arm into a snake, and wrap it around Lean. Uh, the other arm has become a blade. I mean, it's it's one thing to be able to morph into other people, because that's like a whole superpower unto itself. But no, he's able to, you know, uh, metamorpho. <laughs> he, mm. can, he can just change in the, he can just change his body into any old thing, and that's that's pretty darn powerful. Mm -hmm. Did you ever like metamorpho? <laughs> metamorpho is this a DC? Metamorpho is a DC guy. He's uh, the DC elemental, comics. the elemental man. He's got like a, a different, like a wood and a, a purple and an orange. Like he's all and, and a white. 
Okay, like, he's in the, the Outsiders, isn't he? Outsiders, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I read I some first. of that for Deconstructing Comics recently. See, I loved the Outsiders, but like uh, I, I came across Metamorpho in Power Records. <laughs> I had the Power Records that had Plastic Man story on one side and a Metamorpho story on the other side. And I ever since, I've been a fan of Metamorpho. Mm-hmm. And so that's I think that's why I picked up Batman and the Outsiders, uh, is because... Batman had quit the JLA, and so it was a good jumping-on point. A lot of things that people complain about U.S. comics is like they don't know where to start. And that's why some people argue that the reason manga are so much more accessible is because they have a beginning and they have an end. Yeah. And uh, and these some of these series just seem to go on forever. Well, <clears throat> One Piece. One Piece, <laughs> One Piece. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which my wife keeps getting me to try to read. Yeah, I'm not sure if that has an end, but no, no. I according to according to my wife, she says it seems like it's winding down. It's, huh. It seems like it's heading toward a conclusion. Are they actually going to find the One Piece? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. But she says like if you're going to read, like just start from fifty <laughs> and go from there. <laughs> and and like right now, I you know. I've resigned myself that eventually I'm going to have to read, read the damn thing. <laughs> How many volumes are they up to now? 103. Ugh. I read, I think, a couple dozen, and then I just kind of said, yeah, whatever. That's 20 years of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. So the, the fighting is, I don't know, the fighting's not going well for Lynn. <laughs> no, but then, uh, so he's got this snake arm around his neck, but... He kicks sand in Envy's face, which then allows him to grab the blade arm and use it to cut the snake arm off, slice, and then go for his sword and slash him with that. So, yeah, he really turns the tide there. Yep. And he says that since he's a possible heir, he's had to deal with attacks from assassins all his life. So he has had to adjust to that. Hmm. Of course, this p- pisses <laughs> right quite a bit. Well, Lean says he all he needs is uh, information about the Philosopher's Stone. But yeah, now en- Envy's angry. His Envy's not... Envy seems to be very upset about the fact that uh, these humans are looking down on them because they are homunculi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Ed and Al have created a... looks kind of like a big well, a mm. circle of bricks, uh, under Gluttony. And Gluttony falls in, but then he uh, uses these... Well, they're identified in the story as his ribs. They looked kind of like teeth or who knows what. They're not anybody's normal ribs, that's for sure. Uh, (laughs) But he uh, uses them to stretch and push himself back out of the hole. (laughs) And and Ed and Al's take on that is you just see their feet (laughs) sticking into the panel. This is, you know, one of one of our favorite things on Deconstructing Comics, Kumar and I, you know, the take where where you just see the person's feet. (laughs) Oh, because they've fallen over from from surprise from the yeah, either right. the really bad joke mm-hmm. or the you know the surprise <laughs> that happened well i'm curious what's the sound of him falling into the into the well like thing so well falling so that first panel 
when the hole appears under him, mm -hmm. uh, the sound effect is bzzash, mm -hmm. which is one of my contenders for my sound effect this time. Bzzash is good. It keeps it keeps the spirit of the original. Hmm. What was the original? Bashing. So it's got the b and it's got the sh in there. You know. Okay. Okay, and then the next panel. That's what I'm curious about. When he's falling down the hole and he's saying. <laughs> hmm. So there's just a, a little plop coming out. Hmm. Yeah, and he says, huh? Ed says, what? all right, we got him. And then okay. he reappears, pushing himself out with his ribs. Voom. Oh, now that's so this is an interesting language point here because, like, huh is such an instantaneous thing sound like it's an instantaneous thing you cannot mm. draw it out mm -hmm. you cannot go huh well, you could i guess you could <laughs> but you'd have to do it like that you can't go huh it just doesn't, uh, doesn't the work sound right of falling yeah but so in the japanese it's ade, it's ade. <laughs> okay <laughs> which which is uh which isn't, yeah, it doesn't strike me as off at all. Yeah, certainly the way they wrote it, it doesn't imply falling, just H-U-H, -H, question mark. Why wouldn't they go, what? Because <laughs> that would work. Yeah, you could use, yeah, what without the T, just, ah. Uh. And then, uh, but then the, the sound effect is, hew, which is a, more of a falling sound, not a landing sound. Mm, yeah, plop is landing. So then Ed generates a alchemy fist that punches Gluttony and he rolls down the hill and uh, they fight him for a while. Al grabs him from behind, pulling his arms up, but then Gluttony just throws Al over his shoulders. We knew that wasn't going to work. We, no. as the second he got him behind, I got it. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Too easy. It looks like Envy is going to attack Lean when he's not looking there, but in a couple panels later, Lean chops off Envy's leg and is in a position to kill him. Now Envy is on the ground and Lean's standing over him. And sound effect, Zasha. We actually don't know, like, like we don't know if anybody here has the capability of killing them because you know it took uh old flame hand mustang to like burn away everything around the 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 stone right yeah in lust mm -hmm. and like basically it had to so know, they can get hmm. yeah he might not actually be it. able to kill him yeah they might have to you know they have to reach in and rip that thing out mm -hmm. wherever it might be uh, but then Envy changes to look like Lanfan in her her uh, costume and her mask. And the sound effect is Shing with an SH, which I thought was interesting because she's from Shing with an X. <laughs> <laughs> so appropriate. Yeah, it's King in, in the Japanese. Mm, okay. But now Gluttony is approaching to swallow Lean. But then Ed is running in to save lean from gluttony and envy is afraid that gluttony is going to eat ed so then envy jumps in and gluttony opens up his uh, huge mouth with the the ribs and the eye and <laughs> all these things that shouldn't be there 
uh, <laughs> and there's just a big boom, and you know his kind of eating beam. I'm not sure how to describe any of this. Um, <laughs> comes out and and does lean and Ed disappear, and I really liked how. You know, she just gradually reveals the consequences of uh, Gluttony's bite here. Um, you know, we oh, see yes. Gradual, first with the background. You know, places here. First, we see trees that are just like have big uh, half circles cut out of them and are breaking off under the, their own weight. Uh, and close up of Al. And then when the smoke clears, we see that his hand is that his armor hand is gone, uh, and the top half of Envy is gone, uh, which is gross. And <laughs> if if you've ever read Gantz, this is like this is a scene you see every other chapter, it's like, <laughs> because they they don't. It's not like Star Trek where they teleport the whole being at once they teleport like 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 from top to bottom from top to bottom so you see like all the interior stuff i see and the guy was really into getting all those details right you know Mm -hmm. it's a sick sick individual (laughs) (laughs) gluttony says oops al says you and gluttony says i ate them dot 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 he seems kind of sheepish about it because he's not supposed to. <laughs> right. Yeah, certainly not Envy and not Ed either. But And, uh, of course, Al is really upset, saying, bring them back, bring Big Brother back. And Gluttony says, too late, I ate them. What In your experience, okay, so here uh, Al, who from our point of view, is he's a good kid, you know? Mm-hmm. But he uses the word saw, which... You know, like, literally, you would translate as shit. Mm-hmm. But, like, a good kid doesn't say shit. A good mm. kid says something else. Like, darn it! <laughs> right. Well, in, in Japanese, I guess it's not as profane. You got. Right? Right? Yeah, I mean, you can hear it in Anpanman. Baikinman says it all the time. And that's, that's you know, like a preschooler's cartoon. That's true. That's so true. But it's like still though, when like when my daughter says it, you know, I, mm. I'm like mm. reach for the bar of soap and stick it in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny is because it's, uh, you know, I don't know if I should share this on air, but it's like it's funny because like my my wife has a mouth on her like a like she swears like a sailor in Japanese, like she's got <laughs> you know, and but she adds so onto everything. Mm. <laughs> like it's not it's never by itself she adds it to something else and oh. it makes it like infinitely worse <laughs> and uh unfortunately she's picked up i you know and you know me i swear like a sailor in english and she's picked up my bad habits mm-hmm. and i've picked up hers so it's you know <laughs> international exchange that's what's important and then our daughter is always going don't say that, don't say that daddy don't say that and I'm like, you're right, you're right. Little angel on your shoulder. <laughs> That's right. That's mm, right. So where does he say Kusol? Uh So he says, Nisan! Right here when he's grabbing uh, the ribs, the rib teeth uh, in the okay. second panel of his... Yeah, he's like, 
uh, I mean, third panel in this page, he's like, Nissan, Daseo, Nissan. Okay. Like well, that. that accounts for the excessive repetition in English. So after the that top panel where he grabs Gluttony by the ribs, he says, Big brother, lean, big brother, big brother, bring him back. My big brother, please bring him back. Big brother. <laughs> so he's just saying big brother over and over again, basically. So repetition in Japanese is, of course, not nearly the, doesn't have the, the stigma attached to it like repetition in English. If you mm-hmm. repeat the same adjectives in a paragraph, like, two even two times sometimes you know you'll get looked at thusly askance with mm-hmm. you English. lack vocabulary yeah. <laughs> uh, but but in japanese it's like i mean when you're interpreting 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 i said interpreting i made a new word when you're <laughs> interpreting for somebody and they like repeat the same thing in japanese i feel i have to change it up mm-hmm. when i'm because it right. sounds like the person's an idiot. Yeah, if especially if you use the same word twice in one sentence. Um, <laughs> you know, in, I do proofreading for a translation company, and sometimes, like the translator, well, I, one of them told me the other day has been told in the past by that client. You know, it, it translated exactly. Don't you know? mess with it at all and so you end up with sentences with the same word in them twice or three times and you know i pointed it out like you know shouldn't we kind of change this up a little bit it it sounds really repetitive and weird in english yeah i yeah i i had a nightmare job like that where they said always translate this as this always translate this and this and then which were they were really stupid reductions you know Mm. But basically, they were making work for themselves because they were intermediaries and they had to, you know, they had to justify their existence. Mm. So they made it harder on the translators. Uh, and yeah, my, my work, which I'm known to be really speedy, was spit, like I was a third of my speed because of having to check this bullcrap instead uh. of translating naturally into something that a native person would understand. so yeah that's it's a nightmare but here like again i think i might have changed it up somehow like i would say Mm -hmm. you know have him say the name you know ed yeah about ed once in a while that would sound more natural in english anyway i mean because i my my brother never called me big brother (laughs) as if it were my name (laughs) do you did you want him to tim not really you want him Really? You sure? <laughs> yeah. My sister, some I call my my sister a little sister sometimes. She calls me big brother sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's it's a rare thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But but we didn't grow up together, so it's you know like I didn't really like. Uh, she was seventeen when I was when uh, I was seventeen when she was born, and mm-hmm. I grew up in a different family. Like mm-hmm. you know, she's with my biological father and stepmom. And so we didn't live together until we lived together for about a year when she was around four. Mm. And uh, other than that, like, so for us, it's, it's not a, the typical brother sister dynamic. I'm actually more like her cool uncle because mm-hmm. of the age difference. Yeah. She's funny. Okay. Yeah, she was funny. I'm going to tell this one little story to mess up this podcast. <laughs> uh, when she was four. Okay. 
I, I went to this used bookstore and I found this great series of game books by Steve Jackson and Ian Livingstone, the fighting fantasy books. Mm. And I didn't realize so many had been out. So I was preparing to buy all these books. And she's at the counter listening to the owner talk to this other guy. And the owner, uh, the owner is talking to the other guy. And uh, they're talking, they're having a deep discussion. And she goes, hi. And they totally ignore her. It's like some stupid kid in the shop. And they're totally ignoring her. And she goes, I said hi. <laughs> 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 I just love that about her. Okay, back to the story. Okay, so, yeah. Al shouts, no, as if he were uh, Luke Skywalker falling down the shaft in Cloud City. <laughs> <laughs> In the in the updated version, not the original Empire Strikes Back. Anyway, huh? so what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, did he he didn't shout no in the original, did he? I seem to recall that? that that was in the George Lucas version. Oh, really? I, I think I didn't know so. There was a difference. Yeah, I, I recall that was one of the changes. Hmm. Anyway, listeners, if you're into Star Wars, uh, let us know. Hit us up that. in the DMs. I never <laughs> like the phrase slide into my DMs. It just sounds like gnarly. <laughs> Creepy. Yeah, yeah. Hit us up. Tell us. <laughs> Infactualize us. Send us a message. When you watched Batman as a kid, you enjoyed the colorful heroes and villains, the text sound effects on the screen the thrill of watching a heroic crime fighter escaping from death traps and taking down bad guys. But the show was devised to interest adults, too. What did you miss as a kid? Sexual innuendo. The penguin's too small for me. Closeted gay characters. I like that cape, Batman. Freudian death traps. Has the giant clam really swallowed Robin? Police incompetence. Bruce Wayne is a millionaire playboy. <laughs> Hardly a secret identity for Batman. Whether you're a kid or an adult, there's something to like about our favorite caped crusader. Tim and Paul dig for the deeper meanings under the Batmania every other Thursday. What's the podcast's name? To the Batpoles. To the Batpoles. To the Batpoles. So then we go to Knox's place, Dr. Knox, and he's got... Lon Fon there with an IV in her arm and says that uh, there are other rooms in the house, but he's put her in his room because uh, after his wife and kids left him, those rooms haven't been used. And if the neighbors saw the lights on in there, they'd get suspicious. And you know, he wants, he knows Lon Fon doesn't want people to know she's there. Yeah, that's, that this the whole yeah carrying like the neighbors will figure out that there's somebody there and then rumors start and you know I was put in this situation once Tim you can't tell anybody though <laughs> <laughs> I spent the night with this is a long time ago I spent the night with a very nice young lady mm -hmm. and when uh, we woke up in the morning she said okay now I need you to put on this dress and this hat when you leave because the neighbors are always talking about how I'm always having guys over. <laughs> and I went, what? <laughs> always? And she, she said, please. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm up for this. I'm up for this. You know me, Tim. I'm, I'm open-minded. So I had this big old, i like, what am I supposed to do with this stuff afterwards? She was like, just keep it. I'm like, nah, I probably won't keep it. But uh, Mail it anyway. Back. 
I made it to the station. <laughs> and believe me, I think if they would have seen me, different rumors would have gotten started. <laughs> I don't think she helped her case at all. But anyway. No. That lady has a beard. Uh, anyway. But you, you do kind of have to, like, if you're living in the city, if you're living in, like, the city where everybody's domicile is only three centimeters apart from each other, you really do kind of, you can't avoid thinking a little bit about what the neighbors think. You know, mm -hmm. we have a little more distance out here in the country, but we still, it's like the, the rumor network is just like speed of light, man. <laughs> so Lan Fun, you know, of course her drive is to get out of bed and go help her prince. Knox says, what can you do in your condition? And she looks off to her left and she sees herself in the mirror and it kind of sinks in that her arm is really gone. She hadn't really appreciated, you know, her con her own condition and how she looks and what she's not capable of right now. And then she starts crying. Yeah. I do realize that she probably just wanted to see me in a dress. I do realize that, Tim. Oh. <laughs> just, to, just to clarify. I but see. I was okay with it. Okay, right. okay. Yeah, I know. Like, so... I mean, we know that in this world that uh, the like the prosthetics that are available are, you know, they do, even without an arm, you can have a metal arm, which is super functional. And so, you know, we know that it's, even though it's quite a traumatic and difficult thing that also it's it doesn't mean that she won't be able to continue to be of use to herself or to you know to uh as a bodyguard you know when yeah. she prefers to have both both arms mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah i mean it is interesting well it's kind of steampunky but yeah in a lot of ways this is the world of a hundred years ago but the prosthetics are awesome <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm, mm. kind of like the modern ones except that they're made out of metal uh, so then we go to central and mustang is there uh, putting on his code and says first i need to learn who my enemies are within central hq uh, and he's talking with hawkeye she's also there sans baguette <laughs> yeah no more baguette <laughs> no more groceries i'm uh, putting on her uniform also Mustang's talking about his uh, strategy here to find out who is on his side. Yeah, yeah. Let's just foreshadowing. His strategy is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I can't force their hand just yet. I'll have to play along a while longer. Meanwhile, I'll keep looking for allies on the outside. And when the time comes, even those who are neutral will be forced to rise up when they learn that the head of this country is a homunculus. The enemy might already be aware that I've come into contact with gluttony. We must be cautious. He tells her to wait for him there, but if anything should happen to him to save herself, but she refuses. You know, she's as committed as Lanfan, I think. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, she's, she's not up for letting him get killed and she just runs away. That's not how she's going to do it. Now, do you, now, okay, just out of the story a little bit. Do you think Mustang deserves the loyalty that she's given him? Hmm. Well, maybe. I mean, 
you know, he's talking about women all the time, but we don't ever see him hit on her. Um, and yeah, he's kind of power hungry, but I don't know. I mean, I think he seems to be, he seems to be a good enough guy though, or is he an anti-hero? Do you think he's an anti-hero? <laughs> well, no, I think that like Lynn and Mustang, one thing that they are alike is that they would die for uh, women who are would also die for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that kind of justifies it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just it's a question that comes up into my head. Is it is it because she's in love with him? Uh, I hope mm. that's not it. You yeah, know I haven't I mean? seen any evidence, but it's because I I think it's you know like he's. But what we haven't seen is like yeah I mean I mean we have seen it like he will put himself in the way of danger definitely for the people under him mm-hmm. and he will go to great lengths to get vengeance for them and uh you know put them in the right situation like with uh maria mm-hmm. i keep wanting to say maria hill like you do. yeah yeah <laughs> maria ross. ross uh so and you know even prince guy lynn even him uh he definitely uh would you know, sacrifice himself for those, for the, the people around him. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. I guess, that yeah, sense. somewhat deserved. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's sounding confident, you know, as you wish, I'll come back for sure. So wait for me. Um, and kind of waves with one arm as he's walking away without turning around. But then once Which he's is a total Ed move. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But once he's uh, farther from her, he's thinking, who am I fooling? I'm talking about overthrowing the Fuhrer president. Where to begin? Should I start with the generals, the field officers? No, I can't rush things. After all, I haven't even confirmed with my own eyes that the president is homunculus. So, yeah, he's not as confident as he sounded. And he's got these these three little, like, uh, spirit clouds mm. around him. Is I, supposed to, you know, show that he's feeling doomed, mm. <laughs> you know, despair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this guy comes along and slaps him on the back. Hey, Mustang, how's it going? Uh, which completely knocks Mustang over. Um, and this guy who is General Raven remembers that, oh yeah, you were just in the hospital until the other day, weren't you? And, you know, it's late at night, and so Mustang's a little surprised to see him there at that hour, but uh, Raven says, I was called out here for an urgent meeting. He's wondering if if uh, Raven is somebody he can trust, and he's remembering Hughes saying, make sure you have as many people around you as possible that understand and support you. Good advice, Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> But I know, so, you know, like Mustang's way of doing things is just like, I'm, I'm going to stir the pot a little mm. bit just to see what comes up. He's a pot stirrer. Mm. And I, I totally understand that, you know, like if I would need to get to know somebody or wondering what's going on with them, I, I throw them a little curveball and see what they do, you know? So they chat for a while and... Raven says, tell me, Colonel, have you heard any interesting rumors lately? Mustang says, well, sir, just rumors that are so ridiculous they sound like jokes. For example, Scar was seen feeding a stray cat. 
or that apparently a man has been seen around town who cannot be killed, or that President King Bradley is really a homunculus, sir. All, all these things are true, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pre- did, did, is there a scene somewhere of Scar feeding a, feeding a cat? Because I could totally picture it. I think it might have been in, in the back matter, mm. like in the four-panel cartoons, maybe. I'm I not could just, sure. I don't know. I could just imagine it. <laughs> There's a kind of pause, and then they both start laughing, but then Raven says, that's not funny, Mustang. You're not very good at telling jokes. Mm. Mustang says, I'm not the one who started this rumor, sir. Then Raven says, uh, you should come with me uh, and we can discuss this at a tea time chat. And it turns out that it's the meeting of all the generals, uh, including coming out of a back room a couple pages later, Bradley himself, uh, as he's heard uh, Raven saying, you know, that Mustang just told him that the president was a homunculus. So wait, Raven was in this meeting and basically... He went out to take a pee break. <laughs> Had to be. Either that or else he just arrived, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not quite sure what he was doing in the hallway. Pee break. <laughs> there, I don't see his seat, though. Well, that's true, too. There don't seem to be any empty chairs. Maybe he sits at the foot of the table. That could be. Well... Although, if you look on the left side, there seems to be a big gap between people there. Oh, you don't yeah. see and a chair. Empty but... teacup. Mm-hmm. Thus, pee break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, one thing I hate about like meetings is like it bugs me when I'm the only one who finishes my drink and like my drink is gone and everybody else has not touched their drink. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to order another drink. That's so annoying. And like if you're, but if you're an interpreter at a lunch meeting, Mm. like you have to get that drink down your throat and get the food down your throat like immediately because once people start talking, you will never be able to eat. Well, then you can't take a pee break either. No, no. Forget (laughs) pee breaks. Forget pee breaks. So you don't want to drink too much. That's why you keep an extra empty plastic bottle at hand. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Bradley hears him saying this and says, uh, do continue. So what if I am a homunculus? Is there a problem? And Mustang (laughs) looks like, oh, no, I'm screwed. And he thinks, yes, now I understand what you meant, Hughes. When he said that the military's in grave danger, he wasn't talking about an external threat. This is what he was talking about. And he's kind of got this weird smile on his face, but he's also sweating a lot. And, and of course, the automatic, I'm a bad guy, look of the eyes in shadow. <laughs> like, yeah, Raven's know. eyes are in shadow in that next to last panel. That's right. Dun, 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 dun. And mm. then, of course, the scene changes. So Right. Cliffhanger number one. No, cliffhanger number two. Two, right? yeah, because the first scene ended in cliffhanger number one. Yeah. But now we're, you know, coming back to that kind of, uh, we see a bunch of kind of wreckage sitting in some kind of liquid. Uh, and then we see Ed is there. Uh, and So you're talking about how could he eat Al, but look... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yeah, there are pieces of rock and stuff in there. So, yeah, especially when he uses that uh, eating beam or whatever it is, he can eat absolutely anything. That's right. You've got parts of tables and cars <laughs> and columns and yeah and skeletons are those um, ionic or doric columns tim with oh, your geez, expertise don't ask me <laughs> and lean is nowhere to be seen and we can't see the top half of envy anywhere either but yeah ed kind of wakes up he's all there nothing's missing uh and everything works he can move his arms and legs and he comments that it's it smells really bad. Mm. He remembers that they were swallowed, and he thinks that this liquid that he's in might be blood because it smells like iron. Mm. But isn't blood like like if you ever like tasted a penny? That's it's it's more like a coppery mm. taste, don't you think? More than an iron, maybe. No, I. <laughs> Don't quite have the expertise to answer you that never, question. But never licked a whole bunch of iron? <laughs> I don't think so, no. <laughs> yeah, me neither. So, as we finish the chapter, he's just wondering where the heck he is. Hey, is anyone here? Lean, what is this place? Anybody, where am I? There's. I, I got this from your book. I got this from your, your book, your Machigai book. Uh -huh. uh, it's one of the things, is the... How, how would you translate the Kokowa Doko? Uh, because the, the direct translation is, where is here? Yeah. And then, so, and then of course, the correct is, where am where, I? Where am because I? Because we're very self-centered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the English-speaking world, I suppose. You know? Yeah, I suppose you could translate Kokowa Doko as, what, what is this place? Where is this place? Where? Well, but you know, if we say where is, it's like here. The answer is here. <laughs> this place is right here. That's right. <laughs> That's true. I think the book says that too. My book. Hmm. Yeah. So that's the end of the chapter. The great background. Like, I mean, foreground here with the columns and the skull and the, mm -hmm. you know. And Bicycle tire. That's right. I think that it's actually a spare tire on one of these old type cars. Because if you look at the... Well, I don't... I mean, it's not an important mm, point. That could be. It's not an important point. But if you look at the uh, the previous page, there's a there's a car turned over here. And you can see the spare tire is, is definitely that kind of tire. Hmm. Yeah. Um, my first thought was to compare it to the wheels uh, on the tricycle on the splash page. And mm. those those seem to be a bit bigger than this one. Mm -hmm. Although they're also spinning, so we can't see the spokes. I like her, her skulls. Her skulls are, yeah, she's, she's got her own little flavor mm. in there. Mm. It's cool, you know. Matsumoto Reiji's got, you know, like uh, Captain Harlock. That skull has... You know, very, very specific look to it. You can pick it out right away that that's a Matsumoto skull. And But I just like her her little skull here. Kind of cute. There's a skeleton wearing a military uniform. And I, I wonder if in Arakawa's mind that's a particular soldier that we saw eaten at some point. Hmm. Have to go back and see who Gluttony has eaten. 
Good question. Good question. But it looks like he just kind of starved to death there. And he was really, really doing a lot of eating around these like Roman statues and. <laughs> and I guess so. And yeah. <laughs> he went to Greece and just chowed down. That's right. <laughs> It's like falafels, and <laughs> rah, you know, just like <laughs> falafels aren't Greek, are they? <laughs> I don't think so. What's your no. sound effect? I was trying to think. I was thinking of gyros. I was thinking of gyros. My sound effect is, <laughs> and it's a hundred percent. My sound effect is the one I already mentioned, which was uh, gluttony falling down the big brick tube, mm. uh, in, which in Japanese was which is a a falling sound falling through the air kind of sound Mm. Uh, and i've i've I've, i picked it for also the reasons uh, that it was mistranslated as plop (laughs) (laughs) um boy i'm really having trouble deciding i mentioned bizash uh, which is on that same page when the hole first appears also, though, a few pages earlier, when Envy's arm turns into a snake and wraps around Lean, the sound effect is slish. Ooh, that's a good one. So, and I can't decide between bizash and slish. I kind of like both of those. I mean, yeah. you know me, like I like when it's uh, echomimetica, you know, when it's original and it's trying mm-hmm. to, you know, be authentic to the actual sound and not trying to uh, just use one of, like, reuse the same 10 sound effects that get used a million billion times. But I think I'm going to go with Bazash because I can really feel what's happening there. I think it really fits the action well. Where Slish, I'm a little... I'm not quite sure what it is the sound of. I mean, it's. I guess it's the snake wrapping around Lean, but... I don't know. I think Bazash just works a little better. Yeah. So it's supposed to be like a slither, like a slither kind yeah, of stuck in there. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's yeah. What what it's, was what was slish is more of a slashy type of sound. Yeah. So. What was this in Japanese slish? It was but but wow, that's really is different. A speedy sound. That's like quick. You okay. Know? It's a very quick mm-hmm, action mm-hmm. sound. Uh, loud, which means it's a big action. I mean, mm-hmm. it's written really big, so it's a big, loud action, but it's quick. Um, I, just to go back to the sound effect that I picked, just to to say why the, the translation of it, I think, is in, important. And even mm-hmm. though it's, like, story-wise, maybe it's not important. But I think, like, impression-wise, it's important because... The sound of falling versus the sound of landing, thats those are two different things. Yeah. You know, they don't actually, like, he, they don't give him a landing sound <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the Japanese. But it's like, because the sound is supposed to, like, give us the impression that it's a long, long fall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but if you just get the landing, you cut that part out, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, and even though, like, story-wise... Maybe it doesn't make a huge difference, but it's, I think, for the impression that was trying to be created there, I think uh, it, it does make a difference. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like you're showing what showing the action of the punch versus just the impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You don't seem as concerned as I do, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense. 
I'm just saying there is a possibility where that could have an impact on the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But here yeah. we are at the end. And boy, boy, uh, Ed's up to his knees <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I I don't remember this part, and I have no idea how you get out once you've been eaten by a homunculus. <laughs> no idea. Isn't this great? We're enjoying our reread and have no idea what's going to happen next. It's wonderful. Right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, there are a few crucial things that I think I do remember that you don't, but most of it I've forgotten as much as you have. So, except just, I, I know that I was really impressed with this when I read it the first time, which is why we're doing a podcast and uh, it's <laughs> impressing me just as much this time. Oh, definitely. No, I'm actually getting a lot more out of this, like chapter by chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you, you get know. to focus on each one, kind of chew it over, and talk with somebody else about it. And rather than you know, you you might just if you were not doing a podcast, you might just sit down and zoom through the volume and not really contemplate anything about it. That's right. And even though, like, I, I often bring up my wife, <laughs> mm-hmm. she uh, like she is a very fast reader. Mm-hmm. And so she does zoom through volumes, like zoom through, but she still picks up more, I think, than the average reader. And she's she's the one who really got me to, because like I had tried reading it a couple of times and I, like when it first came out, I went, this looks interesting. And, but I couldn't like wait a whole month for the next. And I was like, oh, I missed it. I missed another month. <laughs> and, you know, so I just kind of lost that uh, momentum. And mm-hmm. then when I bought the whole series and then I just like, I started in and I think I got distracted and I, uh, I didn't get past the first, uh, like conflict with Scar. So, but it was her that, you know, said, this is like, she read the whole thing and she says, there's, she hasn't read another series that's more well planned, more well put together as a comprehensive like story Mm -hmm. that where everything ties into everything else. Uh, and so she considers it a masterpiece. And she's like, you really need to reread this. And she doesn't do that much. She doesn't mm-hmm, say, like, mm-hmm. you should read this to me often. Because she likes, you know, she just likes keeping her, her interests, uh, like a lot of it, to, her, to herself. And doesn't want, doesn't want me nitpicking the things to pieces, <laughs> as I tend to do. <laughs> so, so when she did recommend this, I, was, I took a listen. And uh, I was like, you are right. <laughs> <laughs> And now as we're going through it, I'm like even more like, yeah, she totally had it on the ball. Everything has some kind of purpose. Everything connects. Uh, really enjoy it. We're almost at, we're going to say it again, almost at the halfway point. Yes. And we're fulfilling, I think, the promise of the law. <laughs> What's that law called? Uh, the law of equivalent exchange. What is the law of equivalent exchange exactly? You get what you pay for. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, well, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Our theme is Winterfiend by Cryosyncope. You can follow us on Twitter at LOEE Podcast or email us at LOEE Podcast at DeconstructingComics.com. Support our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash deconcomics. See you in two weeks. The Law of Equivalent Exchange is a production of DeconstructingComics.com.
What's that law called? Uh, the law of equivalent exchange. Uh, and what what is the law? Of, yeah, what is the law of equivalent exchange exactly? You get what you pay for. <laughs>